Before we start this week's show, I just want to let you know that if it sounds like my voice is is shot, I'm sorry. Uh, I had to work the night before, and you know we had lots of rain in California this year, which is great. It makes all the flowers grow, which is fantastic to look at, and all the uh, the tourists really like it, and the rivers are full, and all this stuff. Um, but when you have allergies like I do, uh, and then you have to go out into a field that's surrounded by flowers, and the the hay is freshly cut because you're going to a hipster wedding that you have to kind of you know deal with, and everybody's sitting on hay bales and everything else. Um, it, it ruins me for for days afterwards, and I recorded this the morning after that. So if it sounds like I'm I'm yelling at, at Ed, it, he's done nothing wrong. Um, but hopefully my voice doesn't take away from the episode too much, and I hope you still uh, can enjoy it. So uh, despite all that, uh, here's the rest of the show, and uh, thanks for listening. Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to join us. Whether this is your first episode or you've been with us for the previous 16, this is episode 17. Uh, the number 17, two things about it. One, that's Virgil van Dyke's number, hopefully for next year at Southampton, but we will see as the transfer rumors surrounding him are rampant at the moment. And it's not surprising since he is one of our, our, our best players. Uh, and that's kind of what happens is people come in and they look at him and they say, yep, but that's what we want. He will make lots and lots of teams better. Hopefully he stays with us and makes our team better. Uh, the number 17, also the number of goals Southampton have managed to score at home this season, which I don't think is enough. I don't think it's good enough. And it should have been 18 had Tadic been able to put that penalty away and claim us all three points. But as Glenn Delacour wrote on his blog this week, and he was my guest last week, he wrote on his blog this week that if Tadic puts that penalty away, it hides the cracks that are in the team. It hides what's going on. Uh, And so maybe that result, that nil-nil against Hull is fair. Maybe that is what we deserved. I don't think we deserved all three points. We didn't look like we came to take all three points. Um, and so so there you have it. And think back to the, the match against Bournemouth, where Bournemouth had a chance to take all three points uh, at the end of the match with a penalty, and Harry Arder put it into orbit. Um, maybe maybe now it just all evens out. Maybe you know we didn't take all three, they didn't take all three, and, and we just walk away so so who knows but i guess even then uh we'd still have one more point than uh we do now because we would have one win and one loss and that's three points versus two draws which is two so but anyway uh joining me on this week's show to talk about all of that is ed carter and ed carter you can find him on twitter at ed carter rs and he writes for reed southampton and uh funny thing about ed is i as i found his uh, article online that, and was looking at it and read a few and then I contacted Luke Osman, as I normally do if I'm going to talk to somebody from Reed Southampton. And he said, yeah, go for it. You know, Ed's a great guy, whatever. Uh, and then I, I start you know, messaging Ed and back and forth. And then he tells me, hey, just so you know, you know if you hear my voice, don't, 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 don't freak out. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And, uh, and then I heard his voice. And it turns out you know, Ed is, is a kid, but you can't tell from uh, reading his stuff. And so we had him on the podcast and I had a, a lot of fun. I spend a lot of time talking to teenagers as a, as a teacher, as a high school teacher. So 
<laughs> I might be more comfortable doing that than talking to adults, which is, which is weird. Um, and, and, but, but whatever that is, it is what I do on most days. And so I had a lot of fun, uh, talking to Ed and not having to grade his papers and just being able to read his stuff for enjoyment. But, uh, I bet you that if you read his stuff, you would not be able to tell that he was just a kid. And so we have some fun with that. And, uh, I hope you enjoy kind of his take on things. And he's going to join me to talk about Chelsea, about Hull, uh, about the Lander takeover. We have some questions from listeners. And then we also have some fun because let's face it, the football wasn't that great. And, Sometimes we just need to kind of, you know, lighten up just just a bit. So before we do that, though, I'd like to remind you, you can follow the show on Twitter at SFC Del Ivery. That's at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on Twitter and on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com forward slash SFC Del Ivery. That's forward slash SFC D-E-L-L I-V-E-R-Y. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. So if you would, be sure to follow us on Twitter, like our page on Facebook, and follow our feed in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And and with that all kind of being said, let's go ahead and get to the interview with Ed. So here is Ed Carter. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at EdCarterRS, and he's a writer for Reed Southampton. And uh, I, I hope this episode leaves you feeling fuller than the back of the nets at St. Mary's because, uh, you know, we can't score. So here we go. So we'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Ed Carter. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at EdCarterRS, uh, and he writes for Reed Southampton. So Ed, uh, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me on this. Uh... Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Nah, no, no, no problem. So if, if you don't mind, can you tell me a little bit about, about you? Yeah, so um, just going to Saints, I'm a teenage Saints fan, and... I've been interested and in, pretty much in love with Southampton for quite a long time now. Um, I've lived inside and around Southampton for my whole life, and at Southampton I'm a season ticket holder, so I go to all the home games. Uh, I've never been to a away match yet, but my goal is to go to at least a few But next season. That's me in terms of Southampton, yeah. <laughs> you, you're a season ticket holder, so did you go, is it is it just you, or you go with your dad, or your dad gets you into this, or how do you, you start yeah, that? Yeah, I've got... Ice. It was a few years ago. My dad just went, do you want to get a season ticket? I've watched a few games before. I hadn't really got that into it. And it just went and me, my dad and one of my mates. And then we absolutely loved it. We wanted to do it again. And it's now me, my dad, my brother and the same friend. So nice. it's good. And uh, and your brother, older or younger? He's older. Yeah. Older. All right. Quite a lot older. Does he, does he do any writing or is it just you? Uh, it's just me, actually. Yeah. All right. He's in college, so... Okay, so he's busy. Yeah, he's very busy. Not that you're not busy, but you know he's busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you lived in Southampton or in and around most of your life. What? Where do you guys sit? Do you guys sit in the family section, or do you sit? Where do you yeah, sit? Yeah, we we sit we sit in the family section just because the first time, and then we really like the seats because it kind of looks over everything quite well, and we really like the seats. And then yeah, we just sit that just about halfway up in the family stand, and it's a really good view. Nice, nice. Well, once again, uh, thanks thanks for doing this. And um, of course, you know, I I found you through your writing, and uh, yes. I'll be honest, I could not tell. I'm a high school teacher, but I could not tell <laughs> that you were a teenager. So that's part of the reason. That's that's a testament to you because that's part of the reason you're on here. Um, Thank you. So, what makes you? What what got you interested in writing uh, about the club? Obviously, I really like to give my opinion on Saints games because doesn't every Saints fan? Um, yeah. I had a few Facebook groups of other Saints fans and I saw that Reed Slampton was 
some people from Rootsampton were posting their articles on there. Followed Rootsampton for a few months, and I really, really liked the look of it all. And I thought that I would absolutely love to do that. So I contacted Luke Osman, who you had on the past podcast a few episodes ago, I think, uh-huh. and was really welcoming and just said, of course, write an article on the last game, which was Bournemouth, nil-nil. So very interesting. And he'll just see what level we're at. Um, and since then, I'm part of the Southampton team. And then I help out across the network just with any articles that need to be on. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. And it's it's nice to talk to you and and all that stuff. Cool. So I hope it uh, continues to go well. And you're, you're right. Luke is uh, Luke has been very helpful with the podcast. Uh, I yeah. spoke with him and, yeah. and he didn't he didn't he didn't feel the need to give away your age. So that was nice of him. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we have two matches to go over, uh, and then we yes. have, uh, you know, neither of them are, are the greatest thing in, in the world. Nope. Uh, we have one question from a listener, and then I have uh, a couple of questions for you, and we'll kind of, you know, briefly look ahead at Liverpool, but there's been no there's been no press conference, there's no, you know, we don't, so we can't yeah. really do too much, but we'll just kind of talk about, you know, what we think, and uh, and then I have... Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some other I have some other things for you at the end of the show. So if, if I if I okay. forget for some reason because it's on a different page because I want you to see it, uh, remind me. Say hey, wait, 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 we, okay. got, we got something. To yeah. Do. All right. I I guess we should just start with with Chelsea. Yeah. Um, you know we lost away at Stamford yeah. Bridge, but that's a that's a tough yeah. match. The, they're the league leaders. Yeah, they were definitely. coming off beating Tottenham in the in the semi final yeah. FA Cup, so they're they're riding yeah. pretty high. But yeah. What do you think overall the scoreline four two? If no, if somebody didn't watch the match, they just saw the four two scoreline. Do you think that's a fair assessment of the game? I th- I think that's quite fair. I mean, obviously it was impressive to score two goals against the league leaders, and um, I think the first half I think was very dominant from our side, and they had two good chances and they took them, and second half they looked so much better than us and they dominated. And I think four two was a pretty pretty correct scoreline in terms of we weren't close, but we weren't too far off either. All right. Um, so you you wrote an article on that match. Uh, yeah. Looking back at it, um, what what would be your kind of overall assessment of, of the match? Well, I think there's the obvious disappointment of losing, but like I said, it's impressive to score two goals against a side like that. Um, I think, like I said, we dominated the first half. We had good performances from our attackers, but they obviously scored early on, which was very deflating. And then when they scored that late goal in the second in the first half, it downed us even more. They came back in the second half looking so much better than us, and they were deserved winners. And but I was kind of happy to get two goals from the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be honest. That Cahill goal, you know, I was in a meeting, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I. I took one peek at the match because i was like oh i gotta see yeah. and yeah, yeah. It, that's as the goal's going in and i slam my hand on the desk and everybody kind of turns <laughs> and looks at me and it's just like i'll, I'll, I'll just leave it'll be fine uh, <laughs> but I, I guess before we get too far into it what were there any surprises for you in that in, in the formation or in the the lineup that puel set out there uh, away at, at chelsea well i think i'm not 100 percent sure but i heard on sky and stuff like that that we had gone to 433 which was Obviously a shock because over the past few weeks we've been playing four two three one, so that was a bit of a surprise. Obviously the return of Oriol Romeu back from suspension replacing Hoiberg, but there was one real surprise and that was the introduction of Sofiane Buffal, who replaced Nathan Redmond. Buffal obviously hasn't had great confidence over the last few weeks and hasn't been performing to replace someone who probably has been one of our best players in 2017. So that was obviously a shock to come into that, but. Bufal played well, and 
do you think Puel set that out there because something ha- is going on with Redmond, or do you think it was just a chance to kind of get Buffal into a game where, you know, he he needs minutes. Obviously, he hasn't been playing a whole yeah. lot. Uh, do mm-hmm. you think it's just a, just to give him a chance to create, or what? Is there any kind of thought in your head about as to why Puel would do that? He said in a few press conferences that he was lacking confidence, and I think a great way to give him confidence and show that he has faith in him is to put him up against the league leaders. And I was a bit shocked with Nathan Redmond being out, but I think it was quite impressive from Puel. It was quite brave. I think he has done some surprise substitutions or started people replacing each other, like against Everton at home last season. Obviously, the introduction of Josh Sims had everyone panicking, but he was our man of the match in the end. So he's very good at risking and getting the rewards out of it. So I think that was the best way of getting confidence out of him. All right. All right. Uh, would you, I, I might've pulled Tadich instead and left Redmond in just because I yes. I've made the argument in the past that I don't think Tadich and Buffal can play at the same time in that four, yeah. two, three, one system. And then we go mm-hmm. to the four, three, three. And I don't think that fits either of them either. I don't, I yeah. don't know. I, I think they both like to play kind of that number 10 role, you know, in behind the striker. Yep. Um, yeah. and to put them out there on the wing, I feel like that leaves us. I felt like it was, I was afraid it was going to leave us a, a little bit exposed. Um, yep. And, and and then not offer a whole lot. But like you said, we, we didn't play poorly in the match overall. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'm wrong, which is which is okay. I'm okay with being wrong. It's always okay to be wrong sometimes if Yeah, I I'd rather take a risk and be wrong than just kind of go, Oh yeah, that's okay, you know. Uh um, <laughs> Anyway, we go in with that with that formation with the four three three, and it's a it's a change. And then I think we kind of shift to like almost a, a four five one when we're defending. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there yeah. were a couple of times where I, I took some screenshots of the of the team, and it, we're very well kind of drilled and you know getting yeah. back in line, which was good because Chelsea are, are pretty good coming forward. Um, exactly. Yeah. But let, let's let's kind of go through. Uh, the goals, I guess. And then we'll look back at some of the players uh, performances from Southampton after that. Yep. So, uh, okay. you know, six goals. So we won't spend too much time on each of them, but that, that first yep. goal uh, hazard and, and Costa against, mm-hmm. you know, six Southampton defenders. Uh, what yeah. did you, what did you make? Is that just two really good uh, offensive uh, forces coming at us or do, do we make some mistakes there? I think it was a bit of both. I think because Hazard and Costa have been, one of the best performers of the season in the entire of the Premier League, let alone Chelsea. Um, I think there was hints of offside, but Cedric was the one that was playing Costa on. When they hit us on the counter-attack, we look very shaky in terms of where everyone needs to be. And they hit us on the counter from a corner. So that means the likes of Yoshida and Jack Stevens were up from there. And then they hit us on the counter. And it was, we probably should have done better. But I mean, the shot, it was impossible to save. So I think it was a bit of both. I think it was a bit of both. The pullback from Costa was was nice, and I don't like Diego Costa one bit. Um, no, but I have to give him some credit there because sometimes he does some really really good things, and uh, we'll get to it, of course. Mm-hmm. But that one two, he played those two one twos with Hazard and Pedro later for that goal. That was yes. that was fantastic yeah. to watch, even though was it was amazing. against the team that I that I like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I felt like you know the first five minutes or so uh, we were playing well we i think i felt like we were on the front foot and then they hit us on the counter and we were down one nil uh yeah but we, we 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 drew level through romeo off the corner you want to walk us through that a little bit yeah it, so it was from a corner um i think that was one of my main talking points about that was how dangerous we looked on corners with ward prowse's deliveries being so consistent and the, de- the defense with 
everyone moving around in so many different positions, we completely confuse them. Gabby at the back post, Yoshida and Stevens trying to just get ahead in the ball no matter what, and the ball eventually fell to Gabbiadini at the back post. Try, I think he tried to shoot. It came off Courtois, and it just... I'm not sure if he tried to shoot or it hit him and went in, but... <laughs> Um, I think, but it went in, so that's all that really matters. And Romeo scores against his former club. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if, if Gabbiadini is trying to <laughs> score there or not, but it, it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't matter. But it's a goal. Like you said, we did look pretty good uh, from set pieces. The we kind of stacked all you know, four or five guys up in, in a line there and made it difficult to mark, and then ran everywhere. And, yeah. and Chelsea didn't look confident. They didn't look like they they enjoyed that very much. No, and not a bit. I thought we thought we had a, some real chances from that. So yeah. Um, for the rest of the first half, I felt like we, we we played like we said we said it over and over really really well. I felt like it was pretty even. If if we're being generous, maybe even to Chelsea. Um, yeah. And then you know we failed to clear from a corner uh, coming into the in the stop, uh, first half stoppage time. Conte is able to run it down, and I, I've watched this a couple of times with with Cahill kind of like recognizing that Conte is going to get there, and then he kind of like sets himself. The ball comes in, and then he just just attacks that ball back into the box yes. from uh, from yeah. Alonso, I think. And that header was so powerful. Like I I thought initially that maybe even Costa actually got it, you know, with his foot. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't see balls come off people's heads like that. Um, yeah. but that, that hurt, you know, that, and like I said, that's the one that got me. I just had to leave, yeah. <laughs> had to leave the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I got very angry about that one as well. Yeah. Um, I think it was very impressive from Cahill managed to read the game ahead of what's already happening. And it was obviously very brave from him when Costa's doing an overhead kick boots in his face. He still managed to put enough power on it to put it in and, Again, Forster had no chance, but I think it was well organized from the corner. They still had an idea of they have an idea of every single possible outcome from a corner, and that obviously came back to haunt us. So, yeah, yeah. So we go into halftime down two one, and initially when we came out in the second half, I felt like that goal was definitely hanging over our heads. Like the guys didn't yeah. look uh, like they had nearly the the vigor about them that they did in the first half, and pretty early on in the second half. Costa just kind of outmuscled Bertrand. Is that is that yeah. correct? Yeah, I um I had a feeling that Bertrand could have jumped for it and my dad obviously gave me a reenactment of if Costa's pushing down on Bertrand, there's no way he could have jumped for that and I think obviously he outmuscled him and it was a good very good cross from Fabregas. I think he's the second most Premier League assist now. Um but it was a great ball from Fabregas and Costa had did well to outmuscle Bertrand to give himself a free header, and it was a very good goal, but a bit poor f- not to be marking Fabregas, I guess. But yeah, he did. He had a little bit too much time, and if you give a guy like that time, I mean, that's like you know, if we could have Ward Prowse or Tadic with just all the time in the world yeah. to put a cross in, I, I'd take it because it, it's going to be on yeah, the money, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but but like we said, Costa is is so good at using his body mm-hmm. and just being really really annoying. First of all, and, <laughs> and then um, but using his body and and definitely, I think putting his weight on Bertrand to to make sure that he wins that. Um, but in the end, a, a fairly good header and, and they're up three one. And at that point, I was like, this is not a fair reflection of the match. You know, I I yeah. felt like two one was fair, three one not so much. Um, and then I think we get to. I don't know if it's our worst defending of the day, but yeah. or the best move of the day from um, from Chelsea uh, mm-hmm. to make it four one. What did you What did you see there with, between Costa and 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 Pedro and Hazard? 
obviously most people will say it's it, it was brilliant. It was it was really nice one twos. Costa started the move and he finished it really well. Um, but one thing that I could have said that Saints could have done better was we weren't really willing to stick a tackle in. We let them off a bit with Costa before we played the two one twos. Um, the passes were so direct and so quick we couldn't latch onto them and it was a really good shot and a really good goal you know after that it's 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 4-1 and it's not it's looking like a like a it could just turn into a horrible horrible night uh away in london you know i don't think that's how anybody wants to spend uh the day especially if you have to drive back i guess it's like you know hour hour and a half you know nobody wants to sit through that so um in the end we i think we get a consolation goal uh from bertrand who finally who you know wins a header and I think uh, I was watching the ugly inside. They were uh, talking with somebody, and, and and the guy goes, "Yeah, like of course Bertrand wins the offensive header, but he can't win a defensive header to save his life." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's harsh." But at the same time, he got up there for that one, you know. And it was a, it, it was well challenged and, and everything else. So we get the four two, and, and so moving on after that, kind of I guess going into your article a little bit, how did you feel going into yesterday's match, coming off of the of the Chelsea defeat? Well, I think that. Saints would probably, I think I'd be really confident going into the game because it was a really impressive performance with their world-class players. They managed to catch us out. Um, And if they showed the belief they did at Stamford Bridge, one of the hardest places to go to in the Premier League, at at our home ground, we would probably walk over them, Hull. But I think I would be really confident going into the game. And I think every single Saints fan showed that before the game reading around even online, which can be the worst thing to do ever. Um, yeah, people seemed pretty confident. People seemed like, Oh, you know, that was, it was a decent performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and going into Hull, I, everybody you ask it has to be three points. You know, it's one of those ones. It, it had to be three points and maybe that was the wrong. I mean, maybe that's wrong. Maybe we just say it, it, it's going to be three points or anything, but it, when we say it has to be, then, then maybe there's kind of the negative connotation that we don't think it's going to be, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, I, it was, it was yesterday was frustrating, but we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, so before we, we, we talk about whole, let's, let's go through kind of some, some of the, your article and, and talk about five things that we, we learned from that, that Chelsea match. So uh, yep. do you want to, you want to take me through that or you want me to, how do you, how do you want to do this? I'll, I'll, be happy to take you through it. All right, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. So the first thing we learned was the disappointing performance of Fraser Forster. I think to be playing, he was atrocious. Um, many people I saw on different fan pages said it was like he was wearing lead, and I wouldn't be surprised because he couldn't move his he almost couldn't move his feet. Um, he was too scared to come off his line from corners and stuff like that. And right now he looks clueless and has no confidence whatsoever. And he either needs to step up really quickly or I think in the summer he might have to be replaced. Him being replaced, do you think we have the goalkeeper in our our system to, to, to replace him? Do you think that, that Hassan is the guy or do you think we have to go out and, and get somebody else? Um, I don't I don't think so. I think Hassan was it was it was a backup if for cup games and stuff like that. I think if if Forster ever got an injury because we'd obviously suffered injuries to Alex McCarthy who was right. our backup keeper. But I don't think Hassan has the potential just yet. I watched him in a few under twenty three games and didn't look very good. And I think we'll have to look around. I think one good player I was looking at was Jordan Pickford. Obviously just been relegated with Sunderland, but if he wasn't there. Sunderland would be relegated 
weeks weeks ago by christmas he kept, probably he, yeah probably <laughs> kept them in a lot of games so i think he would be a great signing for us but we don't know well i think he just needs to be replaced forster all right yeah fair enough fair enough he's he's not played well lately and I, he had a couple you know flashes of his former self but i think since yeah. that injury uh he just hasn't been the same and, and the next guy you have on here uh romeo yep I think that we did look different. We looked different to the team that lost to Man City. Obviously, we still lost, but I think Romeu, his return to the team made such a difference. We looked so much more dominant in the midfield, and he tried to get as many touches as possible of the ball. He just wanted to feel comfortable. He was always willing to still tackle in in the most crucial of moments, even if that means getting a yellow card. Um, it was, I was happy for him to score against his former club, but he played well throughout the game. A few sloppy passes here and there, but I was really impressed with him. He has been s- such a key player for us this season. Um, Absolutely. A- and especially when you you can you look at some of those uh, holding midfielders that we've had, especially Wanyama and Schneiderlin, and they're yeah. gone. And then mm-hmm. when we, we were playing the four three three, he was playing that holding role by himself. Yeah. And and then he didn't have the center backs necessarily behind him that that Schneiderlin and, and Wanyama had and he still looked really, really good. And I think now with, with Davis beside him, he is even, he's even playing a little bit better because he's, he's got, I think he has a little bit more confidence. He knows he has that partner there if he needs it, but he's sticking tackles in all over the pitch and, and then getting breaking up play and getting play going, which I think is something that Schneiderlin was really, really good at. And so I think that to to have him there, it's been great. Um, All right. And then we have kind of the, the, the one that kind of shocked, I think, some people uh, when we have mm-hmm. Buffal come in for, for Redmond. What did you make of his performance in, in the match? Obviously, it was surprising to have him in the starting eleven, But I was I was relatively surprised and positively surprised with Buffal. Buffal. Um, in the first half, he was building confidence as he went along. He wasn't just trying to skill the whole defence or score a wonder goal. He played the right pass. He wasn't just too throw everything at it because that would obviously come back to haunt us, especially with Chelsea on the counter-attack. He was direct with his passes, but he had a really good first half. It was a shame that he couldn't quite do the same in the second half, but it's good to see that he is improving and his confidence is building if we give him those starts. Um, he is one of those guys, watching him sometimes, it's just like, it's like, what do you have to try to beat everybody? And then when you beat yeah. them, can you just get the ball in the box, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or take a shot or do something, yeah. make a pass. Just, you don't have to beat them and then beat them and then beat them again. It's just mm-hmm. beat them and get the ball in the box or beat them and, and pass. But, um, yeah. he is really so good at that. And there were even some instances yesterday in the whole match where he, I think mm-hmm. Cedric had, a, had cut his lib open or in the first half. And then, uh, yeah. he's coming back to defend on that right hand side and he gets kind of pinned in the corner. And then I, pretty sure he nutmegs the guy and then yeah and then, i and didn't i didn't see exactly what happened but he he's so good at getting past defenders even in the tightest of spaces so yeah yeah um, impressive you have another slide here it says uh that that chelsea kind of just were they are the better team and that's i don't think there's anything wrong in saying that they're the league leaders they're you know i think they've only lost three times all season or something like that they're 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 pretty amazing um yeah. but you know what, what what do you think we can take from that? Obviously, like I said, again, um, it was impressive to score two goals against them. They were the better team. They are top of the league for a reason. Their defense is really solid, and they have the ability to hit us on the counter-attack. 
in really, really good positions. Um, they've only lost five times this season. Okay, sorry. But um, <laughs> I've just seen it now. But um, they, the defence were incredible um, and they kept the likes of Gabbiadini and Buffal went in t- at times quiet throughout the majority of the game. But it's annoying when you say they're the better team because you never want to say that, especially with Chelsea. Um, but they were the better team. They had world-class attackers to finish any chance that was given to them, which seemed to be the case as they only had about two shots on target in the first half and they scored two goals, yeah. which was... It's disappointing, but they're the better team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh well. And then you, you have... Puel, what are your thoughts on on that? And I, as I'm thinking about it right now, I don't know if this is correct or not. But maybe maybe we when we switch to the four three three. It was because they're going to play three at the three at the back, right? So if we just stick Gabbiadini up there by himself, he's got three guys to kind of marshal him around. So maybe maybe you know you try to pull the wide center backs out a little bit and give create a little more space for him. I'm not sure. Yep. I'm not sure it worked, but maybe that's maybe that's the idea behind it. But what did you yeah. make of uh, of Puel's kind of decision making and performance throughout the match? Well, I think he, his tactics were good. Obviously, he we were disciplined at the back. We showed great um, linking between defense and attack, especially with Romeo and likes of that. But when it gets to the 60, 70, even 80th point mark, it he doesn't quite learn from his mistakes. Against West Brom, away, I think it was, the likes of Ward-Prowse came off, and we just completely lose our shape. We have everyone back. We have no chance of scoring another goal. But um, but in this game, we're in the last 15 minutes. We need to score goals. What does Puel do? Sub on two strikers who haven't scored in ages and don't know how to score. It's... It, it might be good with Shane Long with his pace and stuff like that, but and it was obviously quite good how he brought two attackers. It, it helped, but I think he just needs to learn from those little mistakes as they can be crucial during those games. Is there someone else on the bench that you would have rather seen come on the pitch, or do we not have those players? Um, well, Redmond came on. I obviously, I've been impressed with him, and he looked really good when he came on, but um, I think... That is one thing we need. We need those players that aren't necessarily ones that can play 90 minutes, but when they come on, they can show a real impact and they can score goals when needed. And I think we're kind of lacking that as we only have one other player or two in every position. I mean, we're lacking centre-backs, but attackers, we only have Rodriguez and Long, who don't really, who can't score right now. We've got wingers. We only have Tadic and Redmond. We need just one player that can has some versatility or something like that. We need an impact, and I don't really think we have that right now. I'd have to agree with you. I I, I feel like we have really really good players, and I, you like to think that either Buffal or Tadic, whatever one's not starting, can come on and make an impact. But really, I haven't seen that from either of them uh, yeah. this season. And I and honestly, I want Redmond starting. I want him yeah, running at people. Absolutely. I think Redmond and Bertrand combined on that left-hand side are fantastic. And yeah. I haven't given Cedric uh, very much respect. I don't want to say respect because that sounds terrible. But like I haven't thought that Cedric has been that good. But I learned this week, uh, did you know he is the most accurate crosser in the, enti- in the entire Premier League? I did not know that. I, no. had, no, I had no clue. No. Uh, that's, that's quite impressive. I yeah. Mean, to think that 
he's running down the right wing and crossing in at any point possible. I think that's that's an impressive stat. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, came from Sky. Their head of data said he's the most accurate crosser in the Premier League with at least fifty attempts. And so, I mean, he beats everybody, and that's I mean, that's great. Especially because I feel like we don't ever have anybody in the box to actually get on those crosses. But apparently, (laughs) apparently, we're we're slightly wrong, (laughs) at least with one player. Um, So that's okay. So, you know, we kind of take all that and it looks pretty good. And we go into this match against Hull and you're there yesterday. Yep. What, what happened? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I was talking about corners and how that was a good asset. And in the starting 11, Ward Prowse is replaced by Redmond. And it's almost like Bufal is replacing one of our like attacking midfielders each week. It happened with... Redmond, now it's happened with Wolf Prowse. And I hope it happens with Tadic because he really hasn't been playing well. And ever since that Tadic is, I'm not sure if you know about this, but he complained to the media about not playing a full 90 minutes in a few weeks. Um, was that was that he, just before the international break, correct? Right yes. around there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And ever since then, I believe Tadic has played every single minute for Saints from then on. It's despite how bad he's been. I mean, he's hasn't been great since he's complained. I mean, he had a few good games against Crystal Palace and West Brom, I believe, but he hasn't really been doing so great. And if Tadic plays every minute for the next few weeks, um, especially after missing the penalty, I feel there's a grudge between them. And I really hope that's not true because I think Prousey and Redmond, they show real good quality. And with Bufal there the playmakers i think that'd be really effective i think we need the players of the of that quality you know we you need somebody to be able to come in and play not necessarily any of those of those uh, attacking midfielder positions but you got to have some depth there and i think we we do i do think that those guys are, are good but tadic just hasn't shown it over the past few weeks and i think the only way to fix tadic is to make him wear a serbia jersey underneath his actual jersey because he seems to play really really well when he's on international duty so maybe yeah. that's it um <laughs> Otherwise, I have no idea what the hell's going on with him. Um, so, anyway, uh, going in the match, uh, some things that I learned from the uh, from looking at it. Do you know we had thirty nine points at home last season? Was a stat that 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 came out, and we only have forty one total this season. That is a that's a huge huge difference, you know. Yeah. And and we've lost four of our seven at our last seven at home going into yesterday, and so. That to me signals like oh, there's been there definitely has been a change. There's been a shift where St. Mary's is not the fortress kind of that it was, um, and and coming into a match and and got people coming there and thinking that they can earn points. That's not that's not good enough for for me. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, last season we had the reputation of I think the season before we had eight no victories against Sunderland, six one against Aston Villa, all at home. We showed real good quality at home. And that scared the likes of Man City, um, Arsenal, Liverpool. We, it was a real fortress last season, but it's really not showing this season. And I'm not quite sure what that is. I yeah, don't know. I, I don't know. It, but, I mean, even yesterday, it seemed, I, I watched, I've seen the first half, and it looked like Hull was on the front foot. Like, we were sitting back and having mm-hmm. to defend yeah. and, and hoping to hit on the break. And, and that's not... I don't think that's what the fans expect. And there were some boos and stuff that were audible over, yeah. over the feed that I watched. Um, yeah. 
and it, and it wasn't really really great. Is there I guess anything that stuck out to you so much that you would like to highlight it, or is it is it kind of just all just a? It it was quite disappointing. I think it started very early on, and he wasn't very good at the end. It was Fraser Forster made those mistakes very early on. He, I think it was Nias who was uh, pressing him, and he was he knew he was behind him and didn't kick until about five seconds after everyone was absolutely screaming at him and telling him that there's a player behind yeah, you yeah, and he on, ended up putting on, the ball right? away. Like... Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think he just makes, mis- he just made mistakes throughout his distribution from goal kicks is absolutely atrocious. I think they always go out for goal kicks. I'm not sure why he doesn't just boot it straight down the center, but I don't know what's going through his head right now. Yeah, I have I have no clue, and it's. I think I've said it a uh, hundred times, but this is this was this was his chance to to take the England number one shirt this year with Hart being out of the country. You know, yeah, this yep. is where he could have really taken a huge step forward in his career, and he just hasn't done it. And mm-hmm. and I I don't have I don't I I can't I, I don't think at this point continue to defend him over and over and over. Yeah, I think you look at other English goalkeepers this season. You look at Tom Heaton for Burnley. He's been incredible for them. Um, Jordan Pickford, obviously we mentioned that before. Um, Jack Butland, he came back, I think, last week. And I saw him yesterday. His highlights, he was superb. He's just come back from a long 13-month injury, I believe. And he's got that confidence. And it's really pressurising on Forster because if he doesn't step up his game, he could be number three, even number four for England. Yeah. Yeah. He could be just be taking a nice long break over the summer, <laughs> uh, which well, maybe, maybe that's sound... what he needs. Maybe that's what he needs, yeah. you know, just take, just stop worrying about it. But I, I still, you know, I guess thinking back, he hasn't been the same since the injury and I don't know, I don't know how to get him over that, uh, you know, yeah. but he's definitely not inspiring me with a bunch of confidence. Um, I guess in the Chelsea game, there was one one-on-one that he had, I think it was maybe with Conte, where he that he managed to make a a, a really decent stop, um, mm-hmm. and he made the yep. correct decision to come out uh, at the right time. But one correct decision in, in in two or three matches that's not enough, you know. We, no. we, we need we need more from that, more from him. Yeah. Um. All right. So I, I'm not I'm not super excited about that match. Do do we need to to kind of continue talking about it, or, or, or are you good with that? I think I think we're fine with that. Yeah. Just, I think everybody yeah. knows what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I have one question here. Uh, so a guy named Bob Brown, his, he's at RSBrown80 on Twitter. And he wants to know, he said, to what extent do you believe the potential takeover will change the makeup of the organization uh, in terms of management, transfer budget, et cetera? What, do, what are your thoughts on well, that? It's a um, huge question. So don't, don't feel like you have to spend 45 <laughs> minutes on it. Yeah, there has been a lot of news with... I think Lander Holdings it is to buy a massive stake in Southampton. Um, I think with clubs like I think it's Inter Milan and other clubs um, who have had these owners, they look like they can improve. But obviously from China, if you look at the Chinese Super League, it's mostly just about money. But you, I think the amount of money they're putting into it, I think it's something like £200 million. It could really help with our transfer budget. I think it could help with wages if we're trying to keep players at the club, which would be helpful. But it can also take us one step further in terms of buying 
top quality players that we could use to make us into a mid-table club, well, passing for Europe, to being a top four club if we work hard enough. So I think it would look completely different, especially as it's an 80% stake, I believe. So the Lieber family would be very far down the pecking order in terms of how people respect them. But I think it could be a positive move. Now, now, is there any worry on your part having kind of that big organization come in with such a large stake, knowing that kind of we've been, I don't want to say sheltered, but the, the Libras have really kept us safe. You know, they, they t- they've yep. taken care of the club. They t- they've done a very good job of that. And granted, we have sold quite a few players and stuff like that, but they have invested, I think, not just in the players, but in the recruitment staff and all of that, all of those things to make it kind of sustainable. Do you fear that going away? Like I, I'm kind of worried that I, I would, I, I trust the Libras and I don't think that they would put us in a, in a, in a, in a poor situation. Um, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think they've, they've earned my trust in that respect, but yep. I am a little bit worried that, you know, you get a big kind of organization coming in and, and, and you, you, you go out and buy, you know, we, we've already broken our transfer record, uh, I think tw- twice in the past couple of years and you just come in and just buy, buy, buy. And then, you know, you have, you have three or four players that are super expensive and then you, you turn out like Arsenal where, you know, you, you just finish in the same spot you've always finished, you know? Yeah. I think it, that is obviously a massive risk. I think I really hope they don't just get rid of all our recruitment staff or anything like that, our backroom staff and stuff like that, and just replace them with people that are just there for money. I really hope that doesn't happen, but I haven't heard much about Lander Holdings and what they do or what they can help with, if that's the right word. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I don't know. I think it might be a risk, but I think it's a risk that it could have rewards. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting to, to watch it kind of unfold. And, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how the whole takeover thing works or the, the purchase works, but we'll have to kind of just keep an eye on it and, and see what goes on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, that's enough of the serious stuff. Uh, right. I got a couple things uh, for you. So uh, give me the names of four Southampton players. Any four Southampton players you like? Um, Van Dyke, Roger Van Dyke, um, Oriol Romeu, Nathan Redmond, and James Will Prowse. All right. So you got to take career advice from one, fashion advice from one, financial advice from one, and relationship advice from one. Oh my gosh! Right. Who, do, who does what? Um, wow. <laughs> well, I need to jot. I need to jot this down. All right. Wait, yeah. Go. Go wait. for it. Go for right. it. So, so fashion advice. Uh huh. Um, which one is fashion advice? Career advice. Uh huh. Financial advice, which I'm, and then relationship advice. Financial advice relationship advice right wow um <laughs> i think whew, um fashion advice i'd probably go with i think i'll go with nathan redmond i've seen him on social media looks <laughs> looks cool um but i think he wouldn't be very good at the other stuff so um <laughs> i have to go with redmond on fashion uh, career advice, I'd probably go with Ward Prowse. He's been at Southampton for a long time. He's at the academy, I think it was since he was 13 or something a bit younger than that. And he's managed to 
get all the way to being in the England squad. So career advice, I think I could, if I wanted to get anywhere, you could you could ask him on faith and stuff when to know whether to move on or to keep faith and stuff like that. Um, financial and relationship, right. Um, relationship, I'd probably go with... Romeo doesn't look like the lovey-dovey ch- lovey dubby type so i'd go with van dyke and that one um and then i think that just leaves remey with financial advice i think he's done well in terms of boosting his price value up from being something like three million pounds to 20 whatever but i think i think that would be it i think (laughs) you you've done very well you've done very well there's there's some serious thought there and you're right. Redmond, that's about all he's got is fashion advice. I couldn't take fashion advice from him because I just couldn't do it. But like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that, that's good. You're right. He's just not going to be good at the other stuff. Um, all right. I, I do have a, a question. As a high school teacher, um, mm-hmm. have you or will you ever attempt to turn in a match report or something like that, one of the articles you've written, as an assignment? I would love that. Um, <laughs> I haven't yet. Because I've only been doing it for about a month. I think I only started early April. Um, but I think I'd love to do that for English. I think the language I use for that, I think my English teacher would be impressed with that. I think I'd, I'd absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's just got to, the assignment's just got to fit, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you just, you know, send it the link and say, this is published. I think it's good enough. Just give me an A, you know. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I would I would laugh, but I honestly I think that is uh, technically not allowed. <laughs> so I don't want to encourage you to do that. Don't 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 do that. Um, I wish it was though. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Um, um, one thing. Okay. Um, obviously we talked about squad depth and not really. We need to obviously buy in the summer, as not not sell and buy. Um, if you could sign a- any three players with- within our transfer budget, who would you buy? Oh, oh man. It's a very hard question. But... Well, I got I have two. I don't think I have a third. Okay. Um, actually, that's not true. I think <laughs> I think I think within our transfer budget that that that's the hard part because I've seen yeah. the, the valuation on Sigurdsson, you know, anywhere from us being yep. able to afford him to only, you know, Man City being able to afford him. So, um, yep. if I can say him, I, I would take Sigurdsson. Yeah, that uh, was what I was thinking. I think he's just, he's scored a free kick against Man United about 10 minutes ago. So, yeah, I, you know, I so, was not that, that, that match, the match coverage for Man United, that Man United match started at three thirty AM for me. And I was not going to get up that early after <laughs> working last night to, to watch Man United. I just don't care that much. Um, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it's Man United. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I take Sigurdsson. I would take Pickford, and yep. I think I'd have to go with the defender from Leeds, uh, Jansen. Yep. I think those, those are my three. The three I was going with. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we're there. But yeah, I think those three players would really Im- improve. That's the spine of the team just getting stronger. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um. So so that that'd be good. I guess the only thing is now looking ahead to Liverpool after coming off the back of these two matches. I mean, we have a pretty tough you know i think the, our run is just tough so what do you yeah. what do you um i guess how many points do you expect to get from liverpool away oh i'd i'd be happy with anything right now i think liverpool 
a top four club this season, done terrifically well. They've lost Sadio Mane to in- injury, ex-Saints, but um, they're a very good side. I think we did well against them in the EFL Cup semi-finals. But going into the game, I am terrified. Um, I I would love a point. I think a point I would be so happy with. Obviously, it won't really help with the Premier League table, but I don't really expect anything. But if we just put in a good performance and show that we can, we have the quality to battle a team like Liverpool, I'd be very happy with it. But if we could get a point, that would be amazing. I, I I'm I'm there with you. I think. It, mm-hmm. that's a tough match i want i want to say you know no we you know we want to win and of course we want to win but yeah at this point i think i don't know what some people would argue that playing poorly and getting three points at, at liverpool would be a good thing because we definitely need the points and it's starting to look tighter and tighter and we're getting closer to yep. you know but i would almost be more happy with a really good performance where we only get a draw or maybe even a really good performance where you know for some reason liverpool are able to to beat us Mm-hmm. because I think that that inspires more confidence in the team when they're doing their job kind of correctly. Yeah. But that I think that's just my, that's just my perspective. So uh, yeah. I, I'm hoping for a good performance. Uh, that is the Sunday morning game where I will be up early and I will be ready to go. And um, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. And, and you're not going to that cause that's, that's first of all, it's nah. super far away. Um, and, and it's a Sunday. So it's, oh yeah. That's, you got to go the next day. Um, <laughs> but I'd love to, but <laughs> yeah, one of these days it, it'll be in one of these days, yeah. you know, I'll actually, I'll go to St. Mary's and it'll be, you know, at that, cause that's also super far away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, this, you know, I, I haven't done anything like this before, but, um, because you are, 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 are a bit younger and, and kind of, you know, I couldn't tell, like I said, I couldn't tell that from your writing. So that's, that's part of the reason that, that I called. So that's a, that's a compliment to you. Um, yep. but being the teacher, I kind of have this, like, you know, this, this, this soft spot for people kind of reaching out and doing and challenging themselves and all that stuff. So, uh, what I did was I have a, a, uh, some people that I really, really respect in the, the world of sports journalism and not all of them got back to me, but I, I kind of reached out to them and I said, Hey, you know, my next guest is only, uh, a, a teenager and he, and he started writing about the club. And if there's anything you could say to, uh, to him, uh, what would it be? And so we have some responses. One of them is uh, the uh-huh. guy from um, the Ars blog. I don't know. His name is Andrew Mangan. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of that or not. Um, I've have a fe- I've, I've have a feeling I know that name. But he okay. So this is one of those things. He was this was American coverage, but um, he was at an Arsenal match. I don't think it wasn't against Southampton, but he was at an Arsenal match, mm-hmm. and he was sat just below the American commentators, and he was yelling at the referee the entire match, and you can hear him, <laughs> and he was. Um, they had to apologize because he was he was cursing. He's he's pretty he's pretty vulgar, but um, they kind of made him kind of a big deal here. Um, and mm-hmm. my, because my best friend is, is an Arsenal fan, I, I I listen to that show uh, because I think he does a really good job. So anyway, he mm-hmm. says, um, stay honest, write well and with integrity, and don't go down the easy road of of clickbait journalism if it's at all possible. So that's that was his advice yep. to you. Then we have Paul McInnes, uh, who writes for The Guardian. He's on Football Weekly and all that stuff. Um, yep. And he said, work hard and, and be original. That, that, that was his response. Um, Jacob Steinberg, another guy, uh, writes for The Guardian. Um, mm-hmm. And he just said, read and write a- as much as you can. Uh, as yep. many different kind of aspects and all that stuff. 
Uh, and then mm-hmm. the last guy that got back to me was Sid Lowe. I don't know if you know who Sid Lowe is. He works uh, for The Guardian, but also he covers La Liga. He writes all kinds of, of books and stuff like that. I think I know him, yeah. Uh, he's an English guy, but he lives in Spain. And he does a podcast called uh, TSFP or the Spanish Football Podcast. And it's, it's pretty good. Yep. And he just says, write, write, and write, and keep doing it everywhere and on everything you can. Uh, and, and keep your head up. So uh, those were their awesome. me- those were their messages for you, and I thought that would be uh, nice for you to hear because uh, it's yeah, thank it's, you. It's gonna get it's gonna get hard sometimes, and uh, yeah. But uh, keep doing it, and you're doing it well. And I just wanted I wanted to make sure you knew that. Thank you very much. Thank no. you. That means a lot. No, no, no problem, man. No, no problem. All right. Well, if, if that's all we got, that's all we got, and no need to to kind of you know beat it to death. So. Uh, I appreciate well, you coming on the show and you're always you welcome much. back. Uh, anytime thank you, you very want. much for having me. Thank All right. you. All right, man. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, you know, keep, yeah. your, keep your head up, keep going. Thank you very much. Thank All you for having me. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. See you later. And that was my conversation with Ed Carter. You can find him on Twitter at Ed Carter RS and read all of this stuff on the read Southampton website, or you can find him on Twitter at read Southampton. So that pretty much does it for the show. Just like to remind you, you can give us some feedback in a number of ways. You can give it to us on Twitter uh, by contacting us at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There's no underscore on that one. Uh, or you can leave us a review on iTunes that helps spread the show even more so than you just telling one other person that, you know, although please do that as well, help people find the show. There were people that were contacting me this week as a result of the show going up on Glenn Delacour's website, league one minus 10, that people found the show from that, that had never found the show before. And so, uh, Glenn, that was very helpful. Thank you. Thank you for that. But yeah, that, that, that pretty much does it for, for this show. And we have uh, LFC away uh, this weekend that it's going to be a tough match. We were able to win there during the League Cup uh, run, but th- the league is, is totally different and we don't quite look to have the same vigor about us as we did at that point in, in the season. So I'd like to thank everybody who has taken the time to send in comments or questions or feedback uh, on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, keep those coming. Without you doing that, the show uh, is missing an element. So uh, thanks to you guys for doing that. And also, uh, I'd like to thank Matt of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for doing the artwork for the show. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and much, much more, check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. He does all the artwork that you see on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. He does not do the silly pictures that I send out on Twitter after I put out an episode. So uh, don't blame that on him if the images are crappy. That is my work not his. Um, but the good artwork is Matt's and I'd like to thank him for doing that. And he was on the show way back in episode seven. Uh, be sure to check out. We are Southampton on Instagram if you have not done so already. And I think that's it. I think we're done. So, um, I hope you're well, I uh, have a good week. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review, follow us, all that stuff. And until next time, remember that together we march on.